0: It's Saturday morning, that means it's time for Mike Onesco's Renegade Rock here on the Rogue Radio Podcast Network, bringing you all the great music every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we have added interviews, and now we have a special guest today from Johnny Winter, Rick Derringer, Almond Brothers, Captain Beyond, Armageddon, the one and only, the great Bobby Caldwell. Welcome, Bobby, to Renegade Rock. It's great to have you. And, you know, we start off the show with, we played uh, Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo from Rick and Derringer. So why don't you just tell our audience a little bit about that and how that uh, came about? And uh, I'm sure it was from when you played with Johnny Winter, you hooked up with Rick Derringer, right? Really? Cactus? Yes, I was. Uh at that time we took Carmine's place there for a while. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's interesting. So you did play with Tim Bogert then? No, Tim wasn't in the Tim there. wasn't in the band. Oh, okay. Then he had left to play with Jeff oh, right. Okay. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, and it just happened that when we started, when Rick and I started on his album, we did it in Colorado at the Faiton character. Wow, that's cool. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, and that's what you hear on those tracks. It, it, you know, is Rick playing the Is Rick playing the bass and stuff? He did. He went back and, and put the bass track. Wow, on. very cool. So it was kind of an interesting recording, the way we went about you know doing it because we didn't have all the band. And that. You got to you know you got to be on top of it when you're doing it just two pieces. Yeah, especially when you don't have a bass player to work with. Did you tour with Rick after that? No, because I was playing with Captain Beyond. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so what happened was I had too much of my
1: soul destiny to Captain Beyond, so uh, even if Rick and I had discussed, you know, going out and doing it, I I mean we didn't because there just
0: wasn't any time and I didn't have any honest any interest because my interest was Captain Beyond T V at that time. Right.
1: we actually had done that with Johnny's
0: thing. And if any listeners have heard Johnny rock and roll, he does a fantastic. Yeah, it's a great version. But the Rick Derringer version with you guys in the studio is just unreal. You're drumming on that is beyond cool. That's all I have to say on that. <laughs> so, uh, so how what where where are you from, Bobby? For all our fans out there that don't know a lot of uh, your origins. I was born in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital I mean capital, but I was raised in Florida Florida, so you consider yourself a Floridian, right? And how did you get your start in the business? Who in who was the guy that when you were young and you were just thinking of playing drums and you saw somebody who who was the main influence for you in your development? I'll tell you what happened real fast. So what happened was I had joined
1: the school band. Okay, there was a band and an orchestra at my junior high school. There was there was both a band and an orchestra. So I joined both of them. So I'm in the band and I'm
0: playing in the drum section, but I couldn't read any music. <laughs> And if you can't read the music <laughs> You ain't in the biddle orchestra. You're gonna be in trouble. Yeah. And I was fortunate to have this this classmate of mine who had really read well and so computered me. Wow, that's cool.
1: Had a local band. You know, they were playing because they were much older. They were playing all these teen dances
0: and private parties and what, whatever it was. So they were cool, very cool. Well, they were doing, you know, they were, again, these guys were out of high school. They were in their first year of college and they still loved to play. And they, this was in the 60s, right? That's great. Parents, and his parents, his parents never minded at all. They w it was really
1: like leaving to be but they really supported them. So I listened there and then one day the punchline to this story, Mike, is I got to
0: go inside somebody in the band, the band. Invited you in, right? In wow. So I go in there and I'm sitting there, you know, very dubiour,
1: like a little potted plant, you know. <laughs> I'll go crazy by James Brown or whatever they were doing. They, you know, they do a lot of uh, r and stuff those days. And I'm sitting there,
0: and I keep staring, you know, without trying to stare at the drummer. At the drummer. And I'm listening to everything that's going on, and I'm thinking, man, have I died and gone to heaven? And what is it? So, like, You're awakening. Yes. Yeah, boy, am I ever. And I'm overwhelmed with
1: appreciation of just being able to sit there. And at some point, they stop in between songs, and the drummer... I'll never forget his name, Ray Gilbert, never, and he looked over at me and said, uh, kind of like you would uh, your little brother hey, would you come over here and sit on the drums
0: or something? And I thought, are you kidding me? <laughs> he, said, he had no idea. I mean, right, was, right. I was like, uh, ready to explode, and so
1: along with it, only I didn't understand the dynamic of keeping time, keeping the backbeat and all this stuff. So I was so used to being in the school
0: band that I was focusing playing on the snare drum. Right? right, right, right. I've never had anybody show me that this is how you begin to learn how to play a set of drums. With a kick drum, right. It, right? Yeah. And so what happened was, you know,
1: I, did, I wasn't doing the music very, you know, it, it wasn't enhancing it at all. But it was okay. They, you know, they weren't caring about that. But I remember how I felt, and I looked at the drummer, and he had this kind of, i got to say this right, he, he had this kind of endearing,
0: understandable sort of smile. Thing. It, wasn't, it, it wasn't like, you know. Like he understood. He understood totally. Right. But he still couldn't help but sort of getting a sly smirk on his face. But I spotted
1: him, and I thought... You know, and then, it, it, it sooner or later, you know, I it was all finished, I thanked him and, and uh, said goodbye to Ben, who was my friend uh, Gary's older brother. And I remember riding home on my bicycle, Mike, and I remember thinking, Yeah, you, man, I'm going to be the best drummer in this, you know, what town, and it was not going to be
0: long. And that was the, that was a real defining amazing. moment. It really was. I mean, and I, practiced. that's great.
1: started figuring out the difference between
0: augmented and diminished and major and minor chords in the stadium now. Right, right. And that's how it started. Man. Yeah. And then I went to military school. Really? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. Were you in the military school band? I was. Of course. Mm-hmm. I think I'd rather have drank hemlock or something. Like <laughs> Well, you survived. And what was the first band you joined as a drummer? When you knew that you were, you know, found your niche. What was the first band you formed, or did you join a band, or did you start a band? Uh, what happened was I begged
1: my parents to buy me a set of drums. I mean, every friggin' weekend i was like, oh, going down to the store, you know, and my father was uh, dead set against it. it was,
0: I don't know the combination of the noise and the money. Or- right, right. After I what was your first set of drums? What brand? Gretsch. Gretsch. Wow. I got a call from
1: these guys that were also in college, in junior college, that had a band. And they were really super, super nice guys. And they asked me, you know, we need a drummer,
0: you know, uh, can we try it out? What was the name of the band? The Deltas. The Deltas. Yeah. Nice. Did you live for. I couldn't even drive a car, of course. And so they had to, me to take me everywhere. But I, I passed the audition. They loved the way I played. And that's how it started with, with this first band. That's great. Yeah. So eventually that led to you. How did you hook up with Johnny Winter? I mean, was that uh, through the Allman Brothers? or no, no. Johnny was before you met the Allman Brothers, right?
1: We my dues with those people. We played everywhere and tried to get a
0: break, and we went to New York. What kind of material was that? Prog- progressive rock or heavy rock?
1: No, no I, I wouldn't you know how to spell it. <laughs> it,
0: was, it was Just rock and roll.
1: So we Decca records, uh, gave us a uh, contract, and, and so what happened was, years later, now Michael, you, uh, going years later, I get a call in the afternoon from a guy, this is going to tell you the story, this, this is a pretty interesting story, if I do say so. so what happened is my road Drum Tech guy, whatever, called me in the afternoon, and he says to me, he says, Bobby, listen, how would you like to come down and jam with Johnny
0: Winter? <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: It's about 200 degrees outside, it's, <laughs> it's, it's in July. In, in Florida, and I've
0: just finished practicing for a couple of hours on my So own. you were wiped out Well, not so much you wiped out just... I, just didn't, I, wasn't, I told him and this guy was a super
1: music lover that worked for us He's just a great guy, and he said Why don't you come on down and jam the job? And I, you know, I said, Dave, I, I don't like to jam with people, it's boring I said, you know well, <laughs> I, said, well, it's just my thing. I mean, I, I got it but
0: I, I, I don't have any interest in doing the truth to you know that I was a Jimi Hendrix experience aficionado. Right, I knew, right. When I, heard, I knew when I heard those chords and the, and the arrangements, those songs, and what he was doing. That's where I wanted to be, if I could get there. We all did. <laughs> and so he just keeps talking to me. Oh, where are we going to
1: put in? Now, remember, he works for Noah's Ark, so he, you know, I'm going to be seeing him on the weekends. Right. Where are we playing this weekend? Oh, we're going to be over oh, so-and-so. We, I think, you know, I'll find out I'll tell you more. And we stayed on the phone. And finally, he's coming back to this. Will you come over for just a little bit? And and and, Jam, you know, something. When he asked me again, something,
0: some light came in. It was, you know, your, You better do it. Your so you know, why don't you just go with so and try? Okay, I said, all right, I'll go. There. Did you know who Johnny Winter was? Oh sure, oh yeah. Okay. They were rehe- rehearsing at a neighbor King that I know <laughs>
2: I
1: just talked. Kind of, they're all in around the front yard. This you know these beautiful work parts are fairly a area. It's like Shaker Heights is I guess. And right, right. I'm, stand, I'm standing sitting out there, but remember this is the days before carry bottled water stuff and I'm standing there and I keep hearing this music and I see people coming in and out and in and out of the house finally I said Today Dave that's the he's walking around like it called him over I said listen do you know need to deal when they're going to do this you know, I mean because I said I 200 degrees out here I said I'm going to go on home and eat and take out my take my girlfriend out who on a 1 to 10 scale was about 12.5 <laughs> if you know saying,
0: yes. So, I yes I thought you know I, I'm, I'm going to go and take Diane out so I said
1: hey, you know what minute." goes out Back about 10 minutes later, he said, okay, they're going to be ready for you any minute. So I'm thinking at this time, like, I'm frustrated, I'm hot, I'm tired of sitting around. It's like, really? So anyway, from the front door, I'm out by the street. He summons me. So I go in the front door, and in there, in this guy's living room, stands Johnny Winter.
0: <laughs> wow. No way. Are you kidding In this living room? Yeah.
1: look over at this really bad drum set that was in the corner that, you know, I, I figured, oh, shit, I guess that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and, I, and so I really, I shook hands with everybody. I said, hey, how are you? you know, I made my way over to the drum set. And I thought to myself, see, I thought to myself, let's just get this
0: out, get this over with so I can go, get on my way, type, you know? I, mean, right. I, mean, I, didn't,
1: I just didn't have the patience for it. It's like, you know, what am I doing here for this? You
0: know, just I, you weren't starstruck at the, at the moment, no. It was always about the music So if the music wasn't, you know, doing something for me I didn't care if it was, you know, King Farouk I mean, I just True stopped. professional, I love that So what happened was, I sat on the drums And all of a sudden, I started playing this
1: really intense drum pattern Between... The tom-tom, the snare drum, the kick drum, and the bell and the cymbal. And it was really sort of a very up-tempo. You could almost call it a jazz pattern, but with a heavier hand to it. I just I, I just started playing. And they all joined in. All of a sudden now, everyone is playing that's got an instrument on. Uh, uh, you know, and then just, he's got his sax around his neck
0: and everyone's playing. Now, I'm not even looking up to these people. You know, I'm not You're just jamming. Them. I'm just trying to play. Right. Best I can. And so we go through these different
1: fields. So we start doing this blues shuffle, and then we do a slow blues, and then we do a straight rock and roll tune, all that then we do a, you know, a heavy heavy thing, and then we do that. And we just all
0: seem to be able to listen well and gravitate uh, together to do it. That's what we all strive for, man, isn't it? Right behind, it was one of the best basses music, for the late Randy Hobbs. Yeah, Randy Joe Hobbs is great. He, he, he could play almost anything. And of course, Rick at that time was, you know, was coming into his own. He wasn't right. There yet. No, but he was. He, he was a hell of a player even right then. So what happened was
1: we're playing along the and there's this frenzy of we're going through it. Finally, we come to this creature, stop. Johnny looked at me, and he says, I'm not sure, if, I think I didn't even
0: have a chance to he says uh, can you travel and I said yeah, yeah. I, mean, I had been I had been traveling so much of course he wouldn't have no.
1: known. I've been traveling so much the last few years you know trying to get arrested up in New York and whatever I almost uh, almost accomplished that and so you know, <laughs> the next thing he says to me Mike he says oh I want you to join my band
0: wow how cool is that and just behind him I hear Edgar say well I want you to join my band <laughs> Hey. Picture yourself for a moment. And how old were you? Uh, 19. 19. That's insane. So check this out. Everyone's at a standstill, right? And Johnny, he's
1: directing his comments and questions to me. When he says, you know, I want you to join my band. I didn't really know what to say. I mean, I was i was sort of like, really?
0: What's asking me that for? Remember, it's supposed to be a jam session. Right, right. Not an audition. And, uh,
1: You know, I didn't even know what to say. He said, "Well, we are uh, we're going to be doing finishing the shows here in Florida, and then we got to go back to
0: New York, and then we're going to France." I said, "Okay." Nineteen, and you're going to France? How cool is that? Uh, I said, "Great." You know, I said, "You know, I said, Teddy, you know,
1: here's 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 my husband, you know, to call me because he hadn't called me, you know, a few days later, or whatever, and start coordinating things, and so it was." It all happened at that moment, and I drove out of there. Truthfully, I, the impact of what it was didn't really hit me because I had been working towards this moment. I mean, I really had been working towards this moment. I used to tell everybody that were friends of mine here that I am going to, I don't want to stop corny here for your listeners,
0: but I am going to be successful at this one way or the other. That, I remember, that's not corny. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to end up playing in these saloons and these bars, you know, uh, for the next 20 years, forget Right. Uh, right. You know, Co- c- cover gauge. I'm going to go somewhere, you know, and as I'm driving home, I'm
1: thinking, wow, really, Johnny Winter and man, this is uh, something else. And that's how it started. And I went home. And of course, I told my parents and they didn't really get it. I mean, they didn't, you know, I told him, this guy was one of the biggest live attractions in the world. And we were, and, you know, it, it, it sort of hit an impact on him, but, but not a lot.
0: And then uh, I said, you know, I'd be leaving and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that's how, it, that's how it began. Wow. That's cool. Well, listen, we're talking with the great Bobby Caldwell right now from Johnny Winter, Rick Derringer, Armageddon, Captain Beyond. We're going to take a break right now and play Raging River of Fear from Captain Beyond. And then we'll be right back. This is Renegade Rock. I'm Mike Onesco. We're talking with the great Bobby Caldwell, and we just listened to Raging River of Fear from Captain Beyond. Now you got to tell us how the whole Captain Beyond thing came about. Come on, Bob. Well, okay, here we go. So what happened was Rhino, uh, Larry Reinhardt, and, and Lee had been playing this From Iron Butterfly.
1: Winter. Right. At these they're telling me that the Butterfly is about to fold, uh, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, look, I can't answer that right now. I said, but we're going to be in L.A. You know, I have I know, a month later or something. Let's get together when I come there. You know, come down to the show and we can talk, blah, blah, blah. So they came over when we got there and we talked about this mythical band, but I still couldn't commit to it because I'm thinking, really? I don't know. I mean, as much as I'm a venturous type, I'm thinking, you know, I'm starting... I mean, the the
0: Johnny Winter and uh, the group had become a juggernaut. Big, big juggernaut. I mean, you, nobody, and just some people thought that they should be the headliners on some shows. Regret it because... Right. You could, I mean, this thing was hey, when I was in high school, we wore that eight track out. Johnny Winter oh. <laughs> I mean, live, live. and Live. Yes, I did. I saw him live. Yes. Okay. So, you know, I mean, and uh,
1: so I won't name some names of, of some groups that thought that they should be the headliner until so they heard us, and then they quickly changed that.
0: But anyway, so I'm playing with Johnny, and I'm being, you know, courted by, uh, courted by a couple of people who want to start this new sort of uh, super band. Let's, let's see if we can get this together. Now, Lee Dorman from Iron Butterfly... And they were wheeling and dove from Iron Butterfly into God's leader. Yeah. They couldn't spend there yeah. money. <laughs> they had to very much. I love the two of them. And Lee at that time was, you know, he was a bachelor living in his beautiful house in the Hollywood Hills. And I mean, you know. He's he, living the life. I think I left there with Johnny. Of course, we
1: had more shows to do. Went up to San Francisco, played the Tillmore West several nights. And uh, then up to Washington, Spokane, and all these other places. We started talking more. And all of a sudden, I get a call from Teddy, our roadman, saying that Johnny uh, is going to take some time off. And I'm thinking, what? And he, he said, yeah, Johnny's going to take some time off. He needs to rejuvenate, rehabilitate, kind of get
0: off the, the whole thing. And I said, oh, well, okay. I thought, well. This is a good time, yes. This is the answer right here. And so
1: I said, okay, well, I'll come out to that- you know, I can come out now and we'll see what happens. So we got together, Rhino and me, and I, but we didn't have a singer. And the the management with uh, Iron Butterfly said, well, you know, we we know of this guy that we've talked to or ran across
0: or heard about. Uh, He's being the singer with Deep Purple. Rod Evans. He's around. He's relocated from London to LA. So we got together with
1: Rod and we started talking about this band, you know, and we didn't know, you know, nobody knew where to start. And I said, well, let me just tell you, go, I'm not starting to play in the fucking blues band <laughs> I've been playing with Johnny guys. Winter. I've been playing with the All the Brothers. I'm blues out. I said, now I don't mind playing blues inspired
0: music. That's fine. But I'm not I'm not going to some one four five, you know, let's do it, you know, type thing. Captain Beyond was anything but that, I'll tell you. <laughs> so right. And so everybody said,
1: Well that's fine. I said, I want to do something adventurous.
0: That's the that most Groundbreaking. Right. And that's what we did. And so, uh, Fantastic. That's how we got started. And most of the music uh, was written by Larry and I. You were yeah. the main songwriters? Of, of the music. Right, right. Of the Rod, Rod, did Rod did that, that. right. And Rod and I together. Oh, good. So you are a lyricist also. Yeah, so I wrote the lyrics to Dan from Avery Backward,
1: Rage of River, Fear, Struggs, and Over Thousand Days of Yesterdays. And Rod wrote Mesmerization, Eclipse, tremendous lyrics on that. And he wrote... My boy, we shared those, uh, those but the arrangements
0: somehow fell on my plate, do, so I would the stuff. To me the song arrangement is one of the most important parts of the songwriting process Yeah unfortunately, you know it, it, uh, we start putting that all together and, uh, Well you're good at it <laughs> That's what you did the original demo on? The original demo, and it's on the Lost and Found that's out on Cleopatra. It's called Lost and Found, the original demo. Wow, I have to dig that up and play it on Renegade. You had it.
1: Now, here come the Almond Brothers to bring the whiskey, having played with the Almonds all those previous months and years, and Rhino knew them too. So we go down to see him at the hotel, and we bring this I, I, You know, we started living old times, and what was going on, and how the band started, and how long we've been out here in L.A., and all that. And he said, somebody said, well, listen, let me, let me play you this little snippet of some stuff we've been doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Absolutely. And we played it. Um, I think Dwayne and Greg both standing there. Maybe Dickie, well I forget who else, Lee, me, uh, Rob was not there. And as we were playing it, we were playing uh, Cancel Nothing, I think, on there, and Rachel and Her Fear and a couple others. Dwayne started just flipping out. He just, he kept stopping them. This is unbelievable. You don't wear the hell How cool!
0: It, it was great. I mean, it really was tremendous. And he said, I gotta call Phil. No, I gotta call Phil Lovett and tell him he doesn't sign you. Is that the guy from Capricorn? That was the president, Phil Lovett. And whatever Duane said, whatever Duane said, Phil will jump, you know, fifty feet in the air. Right. He listened that's right. So Dwayne's calling to tell him about Rhino because he knew Rhino. He knew about Larry.
1: Phil back in Macon. And he's telling him about this band because he's just raving about it. So Phil says, Can you guys come down to the office tomorrow? He wasn't wasting any time. And so
0: we. That's fast.
1: Just for the record, we had already called to a couple of record
0: companies <laughs> and been turned away. And that's fine. Yeah.
1: see tomorrow so we went down there and we're sitting across the desk from Phil says well, what, do you want to do? what do you guys want to do and Larry says "Rhino says well ultimately we'd like to go to Europe and uh, play a lot of shows over there before we come and start playing in the US oh, Phil's got this tablet out you know and Phil's checking off these things yeah okay no problem says, Phil says well you guys are going to need some money, I'm sure, to finance some of these things, whether it's this that. How much do you think you need? I don't know, Phil. We have no idea. We haven't even set far this far, you know, thought it through. Right. I don't know, fifty grand maybe. I mean, he goes, okay, no problem. He says I'm going to tell the secretary when we get finished here that, you know, and he keeps writing down all these everything we said. <laughs> he said
0: yes. Pretty strange, yeah. <laughs> It's not like, well, it's
1: like, okay, fine. Yeah, you got it. Okay, great. Yeah, this, Okay, you need this, too? Or, yeah, I believe you need two of those. Okay, I got it. Okay, no problem. All of a sudden, we are finished with the meeting. Nothing's, nothing's agreed or decided on. And we leave. We shook hands. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Joy seeing you all. And now, I think that night we all talked on the phone, or the next day we talked on the phone. And no matter... You know how we tried to debate it, negotiate it amongst ourselves, when everything you're suggesting, the guy's going, Yeah, no problem. Okay, fine. How was okay. We get that, you know, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. We can say, You want to go to Europe? How many times do you want to go? To <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I got the booking agency to put, you know, so I could fill me up over there. That's no worry. It was really hard, like, to not
0: agree to it. I mean, to All And the rest is history, right? That's a great story, Bobby. It's and you, Captain Beyond. So you're going to be taking Captain Beyond. We only got a few more minutes here, so tell tell our listeners what's in store for Bobby Caldwell and the new version of Captain Beyond. Well, Captain Beyond's out on the road uh, up until the black plane hit. Yeah, so I was happy to see you in Cleveland here a few years ago. Be hitting the road, right? Yeah, onwards. So, you know, everybody that can do this or well, I hope you come back to Cleveland. I do too. Yes. I do. Yeah, I, I, I hope you can too, for sure. So great! Thanks for coming on Renegade Rock again, Bobby. The great Bobby Caldwell. How cool is that? Thank you again. Do you have any one last words to our Renegade Rock listeners before you say goodbye, Bobby? Uh, Well, thank you so much, Bobby. And this is Mike Onesco. You're listening to Renegade Rock on the Rogue Radio Podcast Network. See you next week, kids.